Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Father God, our Father, our Father who is in heaven, how wondrous is your name. How wondrous is your character, your identity, your nature that you've revealed to us through your Son, Jesus. How pure, how wonderful. And who are we to withhold praise from you? Who are we to withhold our worship from you? Who are we to limit that which you have placed in us to shine your glory? Who are we? We are clay in your hands. We are love to you. You have shown us so much love. And Scripture is true when it says that we love because He first loved us. Without His love birthing everything, we have not a chance, not a chance to show love. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you reign supreme. Thank you, thank you, thank you that Jesus is victorious. Thank you, thank you, thank you that the gospel is real, that it is the truth, that it is salvation unto God. The gospel is real. The good news about Jesus is real. that time of year, isn't it? It's that time of year where we remember Jesus. We should be doing it all throughout the year. Well, we do, don't we? But the world is given grace at this time. We've got to remember it that that's what this is. It's grace from God. You might think, oh, it's a consumerism. Yeah, that's what we make of everything. Humans. If it's consumerism, we made it that way. So you can point and rant all you want, but you did it. But it's about knowing Him. Father, we want to know you more today. We want to know your spirit. We want to know the fellowship of your spirit. Oh, thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Father, you're so good to us. All your gifts, so great. Father, I just ask that you bathe this time in your spirit. I just want to move with the flow of your love and flow of your spirit this morning. Have your way here today, Father. Have your most generous, your most splendid, your most wondrous way here with us today. Spirit of the living God, speak to us uniquely. It's not what we listen to, it's what we hear. It's not just the words, it's what we hear from the Spirit. So get ready to receive from the Spirit today what you require. Because the Holy Spirit's here to nurture, to comfort, to grow us. That's why Jesus said, it is better that I leave this planet... Send my spirit 
Speak to us today, Spirit of the living God. Amen. Amen. Grab your seat. Shake hands with someone around you. Greet someone. You're allowed to kiss them if they let you, you know. I should put a caveat on that, shouldn't I? Okay. <laughs> Don't expect that I know what I'm going to say when I get up here. Brett's just clapping. He's going, what are you going to do? And I'm like... <laughs> We're all born into a family. By the grace of God, we're born into a family. We don't understand and we'll realize that when we're born into a family, it has a culture. It has a way of thinking, a way of um, filtering the planet and filtering the world that you don't realize, but everything that you, in that culture, everything is filtered through what that culture allows you to. And, and sometimes that's a great culture. Sometimes it's a fractured culture. But regardless of what family we come into this world in, people in this room have had an encounter with God. You here today have had an encounter with God that has shifted your perspective of culture to something greater, something bigger. You realize that the culture that you grew up in, whether it was fantastic or whether it had deficits in it, you realize it's not enough to meet what you need in this society and for you to make it through life. Your parents can only give you so much. Your family around you can only give you so much. But if we listen and we hear... God speaks through so many different aspects of life. I was reading a, a scripture um, during the week. I was just pondering on the promises of God. And I woke up early one morning and I just started proclaiming, not just thanking God for promises, but started proclaiming his promises that must be fulfilled. Because our promises over my life, over your life, over our families, over our existence, that we must proclaim them. We must speak them out and make them uh, train our brains to say that's normal. This is normal. Going negative and thinking about how, you know, going selfish, greedy, all this type of thing and worrying about managing things, that's, I can be free of that. And God can supply and provide and, and he does. I'm grateful for God shifts in my life when God comes along and he shifts everything. So I started reading this scripture about the promises of God. Because I went back to Abraham. Abraham's promises. 
Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. This is before anything else. This is mind-blowing, revolutionary. God's shift just took place on the planet. We didn't realize a guy believed, go to this place and I will give it that to you. He says to Abraham, Abraham goes, okay. He believes and righteousness is accredited to him. That was a God shift that took place. Everything after that moment changed on the planet. We don't realize it, but it did. God then chose a people that were full of sin to carry the promise of righteousness. I don't get it. I look at Israel, even Abraham, straight away, he's got his wife, goes and tells leaders of another place, no, she's my sister. Lies. Lies. And you realize that when he lies, then Abraham, then it happens to Isaac, <laughs> and then Jacob. Who's Jacob? Deceiver. Lies. State. You've got to deal with things quickly. But anyway, why did God choose an unrighteous people to carry righteousness and their behavior was atrocious? And we look at them and we go, how dare they? You had God in front of you in the pillar of fire and the cloud and you still disobeyed? How dare you? I'm so glad there are God shifts that can wake us up from moments when we start looking at people and saying, they, they missed it. And like, we're in the moment of missing it. No, don't miss it. There is a God shift that has taken place and it takes time for us to catch up with a God shift. See, I don't know if you knew it or not, but Abraham changed, everything changed with Abraham. Righteousness could enter mankind based on whether you believed or not. The pattern now changed. It didn't fully change until Jesus came on the planet. But my goodness, God started rattling things. And he makes a promise to Abraham and he goes, your descendants are going to, you know, live in a land that's not their own. For 400 years, your descendants are going to live in a land that's not their own. And then they're going to be mistreated and they're going to be enslaved. But you, you're going to go down to your grave in peace, Abraham. But after four generations, then I will bring them out and I will place them into the land that I have promised you. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached fulfillment. That's bizarre. Jesus, sorry, God made a statement right then that the, you're going into this place because the, the cup of iniquity is not yet full in Canaan. Hmm. So I read this scripture out to Kyle and go, I don't understand this. And Kyle goes, hmm, there was a guy that we knew called Steve Penny last decade was talking on God shifts. And he used this scripture and Kylie remembered it. And I'm like, really? So I go looking up his message, God shifts, God shifts. <laughs> so right throughout scripture, when God moves, he moves significantly. And when he moves, everything changes. In Egypt, he go, they go in there. He says, go in there and just proclaim what I tell you to proclaim. He, they do that. You've got to look at this. This is the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at this time. They just built chariots that no one could defeat. And you go, so what? Little, no, no, these were revolutionary war weapons that no one could defeat except God. God just went, bleak. Did you hear that? That was my little bubbles here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. 
yeah, full sense, sensory thing here when you, we'll bring water next, you know. Steve Penny made these points. I'm just going to do it quickly. God shifts take place when the cup of iniquity is full. When the outcry is great from his people. And when the time of fulfillment has come. God is very big on timing. He's very big on timing. I realize I'm just like a kid with him sometimes. I'm like, Dad, can we set off the fireworks? And he goes, it'll be a lot better tonight when it's dark. I'm going, God, can we do it now? And he goes, mate, there's no one here. It's just you and me. You know, we've got to do this for others. And it's, hmm. Timing is so important with God. And it can't be based on our immature, childish wants and and requests. Do it now. Do it now. We've got to be mature. We've got to be patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Oh, Lord, give me patience in this time. Now. When the outcry is great from God's people. On Tuesday morning, um, we had our, our prayer time. Tuesday morning breakthrough prayer. And a word came into that that because something has happened through COVID. You know that. And most of us are like, COVID, COVID, nah. And it's like, no, no, what has God done? What is God doing? Because man did not do this as much as you want to blame man and find a culprit and all that. God is moving on the face of the earth right now. And so during COVID, what happened? We got shut away. What did we do with our shut away time? We binge watched everything that we could. Or did we actually seek God's face? Because you've got to look at it. If God shut us down to not go to work and we couldn't be around our only a bubble, what did he require of us? Because I think I missed it. Being honest with you, I think I missed that intimacy thing. Because he was drawing me in. It's not too late. Love that with God. Not too late. We can get it right now. And the next stage is, that was intimacy with him. So that was seeking his face personally. Now it's shifting. It's shifting. It's going from seeking his face personally, which is so important, to now seeking his face corporately. Because we've got to learn how to do this again. This is uncomfortable for so many of us. Me, I was built for this. I've got to tell you, I was built for this. I'm built for standing out the front, crying out to God, jumping up and down, yelling, screaming, getting excited about the things of God, trying to stir you up. This is me. I realize that's why God chose me. There's so many other things that I don't want you to know about. (laughs) But let's look at our good points because that's a good thing to do. So when the outcry from God's people is enough, we've got to cry out corporately. We're crying out individually. One can put a thousand to flight. This isn't a math. This is an addition right here. This is what the scripture says. One can put a thousand to flight. Straight away, I think, really? That's amazing. During the week, I don't know if anyone else has been trying this out, the weather. God's just started telling me, start commanding the weather. So Daniel and Samuel, they were out on the block. It was going to be 43 degrees that day down in Kerrang, working with buffalo. That would be horrific. 
smelly, stinky buffalo. I've tasted that milk. It's got a buffalo-y taste to it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's great cheese. Great cheese, mozzarella. Let's get back onto it. I had no idea where I was. This is what, see, God chose me because I flow well with words, but sometimes it just gushes in the wrong direction. And then I go, where was that going? Pull that stream back here. Yes. Thank you. You all knew where I was up to. See, this is exciting because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. You're, you're waiting for it, so am I. Oh, praise the Lord. I think we're hitting the fullness of time thing at the moment. I think we're coming to a fullness of time, but we need to cry out to God as people of God. And it's we, 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 not me, me, me. It's we, we, we. I say, God took a nation that that just after he said, you're going to be my righteous weapon to this world and you're going to show righteousness. And there's so much in this because the culture back then was so different to what we have today. Why did they have to go and kill people and wipe out nations and all that? And you think that's a bit rough because God's people went and wiped out that nation. But that nation were actually God's people. They were actually nation. Canaan was the son of Ham. Ham was the son of Noah. Noah birthed everything again. So straight away, there was a in there. I'm so glad that we have a voice that we can cry out to God so that when things aren't going right, we just don't complain about them. We can actually speak into that situation. So I'm telling you now, the cup of iniquity is getting pretty full. The cup of iniquity is getting pretty full. If you look at what... So God shifts. How often do they happen? You know, how, how dramatic are they when they do happen? Jesus... God shift. Jesus came to the planet. God shift. Israel was waiting for a Messiah, a a dominating, ruling king that was going to come and wipe out Rome and return Jerusalem, return Israel to the right faith and all that. No, Jesus came to upset their whole model of what what a Messiah was. He didn't come as a king. He came in humble. We're just singing manger throne. He came in the most humblest. He came as a servant saviour. Servant saviour. Servant saviour. What are we meant to be servants? That model is so there. Jesus came, blew things apart. Everything after that changed. This is what I've written down. With Jesus' first coming came the understanding that the kingdom of God had also come. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God would not wait to come until Jesus' second coming because it began at his first coming. There is no kingdom come, it's kingdom here. Kingdom here. Change mindset straight away. It turned everything upside down. It also, God's kingdom will continue to increase and grow until it consummates at Jesus' second coming. That's everything that he established right there. So whether you think it's not happening, whether you think in your little bubble that at the moment God's not doing everything, anything and the world's just getting darker and darker and darker, let me just throw a light on this for you. 
In AD 30, Pentecost hit. Boom, stuff went on. The church went wild across the planet. These people were accused of being ones that turned the world upside down. They went out healing, delivering, setting people free, shaking things like never before. And they were persecuted. They were hounded. They were burnt alive. They were made fun of. They were just ridiculed. And it grew and grew and grew and nothing could stop it until the Roman emperor, Constantine, said, this is actually not right that these people are being persecuted. They're trying to do good. So he legalized Christianity in 313, in February 313 AD at the, it was done at one of those places, in some Carthage. It was done in Carthage. There you go. No one cares. So he legalized it and the Roman Catholic Church began. It didn't really, but it did. Incredible things happened. God moved. God moved so powerfully. The Roman roads that were built to take the Roman conquerors around the world now carried the gospel. It wasn't by a mistake. Everywhere that they went, to every aisle, to every part of the planet, the message went. And you could look at it and then the dark ages hit and there was not much coming out. And I look, went looking, were there revivals? Were there God shifts? Were, yes! Throughout the Catholic Church, yes! Throughout history, every time there was an outbreak, every time there was a move of the Spirit, they would set up the, the Benedictines or the, the Franciscans or the Jesuits. They would set up an order to try and keep it going. But do you know what man does? We start putting boundaries on things and we start controlling it. And we start saying, this is how it's got to be. The Catholic Church started controlling, started getting greedy. Why? Because we're human. That's what we do. So not much happened, but yes, it did. Lots happened. So 1300 AD. We start with the Pre-Reformation Revival. That's John Wycliffe. That's Johann Huss. The, all these incredible guys. An Italian was in there. Savranoli, Nola. The bonfire of the vanities. We've all heard that statement? This guy, Savranola, something like that. <laughs> Luca? Savonarola. Savonarola. He's a good boy. So he, these guys, the bonfire of the vanities, got rid of all the stuff that the, the church says, no, you've got to worship this, worship that. He goes, let's burn it all. All this stuff that they said, this is, this is important. You've got to bow to this, this finger of John the Baptist. I don't know. You've got to do all these things. He said, let's just get rid of all these distractions, all this stuff. There was a huge shift. These guys paid with it with their life. This guy was, yeah, John Huss was burned at the stake. Oh. So this was the beginning of the Reformation with Protestants. In 1517, it happened with Martin Luther. He came out with the, the 99 edict where he, he nailed it onto the, the, um, the door. Was it the 99? 91? 91? 95? 95, but Stephen ain't one. Okay. So Martin Luther... Fired it up. He didn't mean to, but there was stuff that came in that we had, we, humans, we put control on, we manipulate it, we try and make people feel good. Sale of indulgences. You've got family that have died and you don't know if they're in heaven? Pay us some money, we'll pray for them. 
That actually comes out very big throughout history. It's called Simonism. Simony. After Simon the magician who said to the apostles, sell me this. Here's money. Give me this gift so I can perform these miracles as well. When the church starts getting into marketing, when it starts getting into commercialism, when we start making thing, money important. Mm. So anyway, the Protestant Reformation changed everything. Jump forward. 1517 that was. 1727, this is the first great awakening, 1727, this is, uh, have you ever heard of the Moravians? They were these um, missionaries uh, from over in the, I don't know, the Bosphorus region and all that in Europe. And these guys, after the, the, um, the Protestant Reformation, now it's called Protestant because they protested about the controls, that's why it was called Protestant, just names, but yeah, the Great Awakening, um, what's the best way of explaining this? The Protestantism came in, then they brought in Puritanism, Puritanism was that we want to have a pure religion, but then it came into, no, you've got to behave pure, which is true, we have this, because God gave this nation the gift of righteousness, Okay, they were an unrighteous nation. They were sinful, but he gave them sinlessness. But in one, 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read this scripture because it just blew me away. We all read this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Because he made a people that carried sin and just lived it out. That's us all the time. We sin all the time. But he made them carry righteousness. Now, In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it tells us that God made him who had no sin. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional because I've read this so many times. But I've just realized that he had no sin. He had none. I don't even know what that means. I had someone recently say to me, they were confessing some things that they did and they were saying, but I've done these things since I became a Christian. I'm living a lie. I said, no, you're not. Are you this? Are you that? Like, and we went through this process. I've got to be honest with you. All my sinning has been done since I got saved. I was six years old when I got saved. I hadn't really messed up that much. All my sinning. And do you know what a conflict that does in your life? I know Jesus, I know what I'm called to be, I know what he's done for me, yet I still take advantage of it. It's a conflict that really erodes us inside. But the beautiful thing is, is the second part of this scripture, God made him who had no sin to be sin, to be the lamb that we placed our hands on and said, you are taking on every evil that we have done makes me wonder about those priests when they actually prayed for that that lamb the goats that the scapegoat and that that was an intense time god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god in christ jesus that we might become the righteousness this is so much hope in this that we might, that word might isn't 
possibly, possibly. You, you get a chance to become the righteousness of God, and that's not what might means. It's no, you get to experience the miraculous outworking on a daily basis of the righteousness of God in Christ. You get to experience the miracle of it. So when I sin and when I mess up, by what I say, by what I don't say, by what I do or by what I don't do. Please don't ever try and work out what my sin is. You won't. <laughs> I had somebody once say, Steve, you leave it too open. People are going to think you're doing this and you're doing that. I go, let them. That's probably what they're doing. Straight away he went, oh, no. That's... <laughs> I just looked at them and they went, yeah. I know. <laughs> I love church. I'm loving church. Okay, so the first great awakening, it was the great awakening. So we had Puritanism. We, we started saying, yeah, we want to live right. We want to behave right. We want to do things right. Then we started controlling other people's lives. The whole holiness thing came in. Holiness, do we need holiness? Yes. Without holiness, no one will see God. But if you start legislating and controlling and dominating people, you just start beating people up. So the first great awakening came because of all this Puritanism and all that. You heard of the Quakers? Yeah. Heard of the Shakers? The Shakers left the Quakers because the Quakers didn't want to quake and get wild anymore. They wanted to be civilized and controlled. So the Shakers left because they were still shaking and yelling and screaming. Then all this stuff happened and out of it came the Great Awakening, which was called the Awakening, which wasn't at the time, it was called the Big Noise. Because everyone was yelling and screaming and laughing and speaking in tongues. It just shook the world. That was in 1727. <laughs> Incredible things took place. John Wesley, John Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards. This guy wrote a, a leaflet that went around the world. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Changed the world. Repentance went rife around the world because people just went my behavior can offend God. It was just the awakening moment again that my behavior on this planet could offend God. 1780, this was, this, this was the second great awakening. So much stuff happened between 1780 and 1810. 30 years of incredible awakening throughout the world. Then, then the universities that were established, things happened during these revivals and through these awakenings. I've got to tell you, music became incredible. Worship went through the roof. They established schools and education centers and universities so that they could teach the truth. Then they started controlling and manipulating and governing it. And then this erosive deism came in that God only existed if I could rationally think about him and make sense of him. But faith that is based on Evidence of faith is not good faith. It has to be based on faith. It can't be based on evidence. So the general awakening came out of that in 1830. So we had the first great awakening, the second great awakening, then the general awakening. My goodness, we've had so many awakenings. Why don't we just wake up and take notice? Charles Finney did this one and went through Hawaii and Jamaica and all these things happened. That's in 1830 to 1840. Then 1857 to 1861, the layman's prayer revival took out across the world. You, most people haven't heard about it. These just men, businessmen start prayer meetings in their businesses. 
they grew into hundreds and sometimes thousands. And people, these men started talking to other men saying, you've got to live a righteous life. You've got to honor your wife. You've got to do all these things. You've got to... Can I just read out some of the things? Um, oh, I've got so much. In, I'm trying to encourage you today. The power of prayer touched every aspect of business. There had never been a higher tone of honor in community. The Bible became the standard in everyone's life. Any business that injured the community was regarded as wrong and no one dealt with them. People in every kind of business began to be more honest, truthful, and conscientious. God shifted the community. Then, this is in the late 1800s, then we hit the 1900s. The Pope says, we need a revival in the Catholic Church. So he starts saying, pray for an infusion of the Holy Spirit. That happened in 1901, 1900. It happened, people started praying in the Spirit in the Catholic Church. In 1904, revival broke out beginning in Wales. It was just incredible. The Welsh revival took over. Things just changed. Out of that came Azusa Street. Out of that came the Manchurian revival. Out of that came the Korean revival. Evan Roberts was involved in that, and things just took off. In 1935, we had the World War II revival. There was stuff still happening in there. I just want to limit it down to a few. Then we had in the 1965 to 71, the Baby Boomer revival. That was the Jesus people. There was a prayer revival, prairie revival, and also Asprey. Asprey had a revival back in the, the 1960s. In 1995 to 2000, we had the Toronto Blessing. We had the um, Brownsville Revivals. I went to the Brownsville, Revi- <laughs> the Brownsville Revival. And I remember there was this young girl singing this song. And I, I wanted to go to see, hear this. You know, I didn't want to go. To, I was waiting for this young girl to see, sing this song. She was 13 years old. And when she started singing this song, I could not even listen to her. I was so convicted. There was repentance, spirit of repentance, like you could not believe. Like, you know when people say, you've got to repent, you've got to get right with God, and you go, yeah, yeah, one day. When there's a spirit of repentance and someone says that to you, you go, yes. That's what it's like. And I saw people that came in there that had never encountered God before were just crying and saying, I've got to get right with him. I've got to get right with him. Things happened. That was 1995 to 2000. Since then, there's been so many things going on around the world. And this is only in Western civilization. I'm not even talking about what's happening in China, what's happening in Russia, what's happening in North Korea. You think nothing's happening? Wrong again. God can turn up anywhere. God can shift. When the cup of iniquity is full, when the outcry from his people is great, and when the fulfillment of time has come, we are in a God shift right now. We have the opportunity to realign ourselves with what God has shifted to. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to be walking daily with his spirit. He wants us to retrain our brains to his kingdom, not to the pattern of this world, his kingdom. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of, we've got to retrain our brains. I've got to do that. I've got to do that on a daily basis. Who doesn't? All of us. I'm so glad God shifts. 
God's into this and it's ramping up. At the moment, it seems to be like every 15 years that God is doing something significant. We are right in a moment now. Are you going to lean in? Are you going to hearken to his call? Are you going to listen? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be distracted by the pattern of this world thinking, oh, I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And God says, just come away from all that. That's his voice throughout scripture. Come away from that. Come to me. Come to me. He's got the answers. No one else does. Everyone else pretends that they might have the answers because they want to sell you something. Jesus has got the answers and he doesn't want to sell you anything. He just wants your life because he knows it's good for you. It's right, isn't it? He knows it's good for us. That's why he wants us to do it. Because you've got no choice. You must do this. This is the only way to live. Free. <laughs> what does freedom mean to you? It is for freedom. We've got to know what God's freedom is all about. If you're able to stand with me, can you stand? Father God, be glorified in this moment. Father God, thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for that daily communion that we are so privileged to enter into with you. I just ask right now, Father God, that you would just, as you settle our hearts, and we just attune our ear, I ask right now, Father, you just lay in each heart exactly the deposit that you need to, to answer whatever the question is, to alleviate the anxiety, to calm down whatever it is, that concern. I'm so glad that the, the grip of fear has no hold on me. That grip of fear has no hold on your life anymore. Father, I thank you right now for your peace, your love. Holy Spirit, activate us. Activate us. Activate us. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Oh, Father God, fill us afresh with your spirit. Fill us afresh. Fill your church with your spirit afresh, Lord. We want your spirit to flow through us. We want your spirit to flow through us. We want to be filled, energized, activated, propelled forward in your spirit. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, fresh in filling, fresh in filling today. I just thank you for your fresh in filling, that any time we can have a drink from your water. Father, I thank you for the shift that's taking place. We want to get in line we want to get in line, fall into row with where you have us. Father, whatever you've got, we're in this. This is our life. We want to go for it. We believe you, Father. We believe what you say. We believe the message of Jesus. We believe that you have sent your spirit onto the planet. We know that you have goodness for us.
Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your favor <laughs> over each household, over each family, over each marriage, over each child, each adult. Right now, Father, I thank you for your portion of your spirit just being outworked, outworked in each life. Have your way, mighty God. Amen. We receive that today. Your spirit, Father. Guys, we need to do this on a daily basis. We need to make some time just to say, Father, I need you. I need your spirit. Let him know. You know, just even some little things. He loves this intimacy factor. Share your heart with him. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.